Welcome to Wise Guides, a wake-up in science education, a student-led podcast series produced for the New York State Children's Environmental Health Center, a product of HBCAC, and their Prevention is the Cure campaign. And now, here's your Wise Guides. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Wise Guys podcast. I'm Savannah. And I'm Matt. If you haven't heard yet, we talk about environmental health topics from a high school and college perspective. Savannah, how's school going so far? School? What's school? I don't even know what that is anymore. It's basically like sleepaway camp. I go to my dorm. I stay in the same sweatpants all week. <laughs> Not to be gross, but it's true. I go to class. I put my online class on. I fall asleep. Then I wake up to say goodbye to the professor. And then I just do my homework. Drink I some like coffee. that. I, mine is pretty much similar i take all of my zoom calls from uh my desk in my room and i'm pretty much here 24 7 and i appreciate literally any change of scenery i can possibly get because it's all the same every day (laughs) blends in with every day every week blends in with every week it's just all the same i i mean like i feel like i missed high school in the sense where there was so much structure and now in college there's literally no structure uh i don't really get penalty for not going to class as long as i do my work which becomes a bad habit, especially since I roll out of bed and then pull <laughs> in my class. I mean, I have no motivation. I don't even know how you make it to your desk. I, no. <laughs> so are you getting tired of go, doing online school? How is it compared to like, you know, going to actual school? Um, I wouldn't say I'm getting tired of it. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. But, you, you know, you got to try and change it up here and there. Uh, Last week, I made coffee one morning, which really helped. And I really don't drink any coffee at all. So Uh while when I drink it, it's like, (laughs) it's so different. The caffeine rush is just (laughs) unmatched. Caffeine is wonders. That's why, you know what? Everyone who's listening, hopefully driving to work, going to school, doing whatever they're doing. Hopefully they have a cup of coffee in hand so they don't fall asleep (laughs) to get through the day. Anyway, going back to living in the sweatpants thing. Do you do that or is it just me? No, I do do that. And when I wake up, it's so cold nowadays. Like it's so 35 degrees outside. Oh I my have God, no, 35? It's crazy. It's crazy. I have no motivation to get out of bed, out of like, you know, I was cocooned in a blanket. Cocooned? Just sitting at my desk and actually doing work. Really good word. Yeah, no, I totally <laughs> understand that. Blanket, sweats, sweatshirt. And the showering at this point has become questionable. Literally, I haven't washed my hair and I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been. But I was reading an article. Okay, now we're going to transition into like today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about personal care products. But before we get there, where we have a few, few things to discuss. Showering. Okay, listen, I don't have to see people like ever. So obviously, I do take showers. I encourage everyone to shower. Shower is really important. But, like, washing my hair every day, like, that's not an option. Like, I can't. Like, why am I going to wash my hair every day? And then I came across an article that said that if the the dirtier your hair is, there's some type of, I don't know what it is, but it's called sebum. And it builds up in your hair, which causes it to look greasy. Now, some people say, like, the more the sebum builds up and, like, say you wash your hair after, like, three days – your hair in in the long term will become like silkier and smoother and more volumized and all this stuff. So then I was thinking shampooing isn't necessarily the best for your scalp in the first place. 
Isn't that kind of interesting? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard of like I never knew this um, probably until midway through middle school, but girls usually don't wash their hair every day. And that just seems so strange to me. Like when I first heard it, I was like, wait, what? I, I just couldn't believe it. But it kind of makes sense. I'm sure those, all those products are very damaging and applying it every single day is probably not good for you. Absolutely. Like you're stripping your hair of your like natural oils, which causes it to fall out, can cause, I don't know, dry scalp, all this, all these issues. Like I never get ready anymore. I, like I said, I haven't washed my hair day unknown, but <laughs> <laughs> listen, I want my hair to be nice and shiny and voluminized. Is that a word? Volumin- I don't know, whatever. Um, but I don't get ready anymore. I like almost never wear makeup and my skin. Wow. She's glowing. She (laughs) has been, been, she's been, she's been treated well. Like I haven't been putting gunk on my face for a very long time. And it's, it's really nice to reflect on what I would normally do and how the changes I've made since, you know, being in quarantine and just literally being indoors all the time, uh, how it's like changed my routine in terms of what I like for school wise and for like, my personal care product routine and et cetera. Right. There is no better time than now to start experimenting. Oh yeah. Um, Right now you have so much flexibility and you're likely not going to get this opportunity for a very, very long time. Hopefully. Um, (laughs) Hopefully. So definitely try and experiment, try and cut things out, try and make better decisions for you and your environment. And I'm sure Uh, you'll be happy that you did. So this topic is, of course, super relevant because everyone, hopefully everyone, uses personal care products. And as we'll discuss, it's super, super easy to make changes that will not only like change the course of your daily life, but it'll also change your perspective on other facets of things that you can control in your life. There's a toxic chemical soup in the products we use daily for hygiene and beauty. And I'm sure the personal care products that we use today, you know, they're linked to cancer, linked to thyroid disruption, linked to endocrine disruption. What do you think is the most toxic thing that you apply to your skin or use on a daily basis? I feel like breathing this air right now. That's probably it. Hmm. Interesting one. (laughs) Well, I feel like no matter what we do, we will never minimize our exposure to zero percent. That's literally impossible. Right. But I feel like when you find out that there are certain products, certain foods, certain consumer items that do directly cause you harm or indirectly, that you should be able to make a choice and be smart about it and take it out of your life, especially if it doesn't, if there's no harm, no foul, like, I feel like what we can control is what, where you start. Mm-hmm. And if you start in your comfort zone, you'll start to realize it's not so bad to make some sacrifices and then you'll step out of your comfort zone and you'll do additional things. But it's super easy to make changes. I think that's the bottom line. Like, and as we go forward and talk to everyone about this, I'm sure they will feel the same. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a breath of fresh air to know that you're doing something good for yourself and the environment and you're not breaking the bank. Like what's, you have no excuse at that point. Right. You don't. 
So the reason we're discussing personal care products today is all because of EDCs. So what are EDCs? It stands for endocrine disrupting chemicals, and they get into your body and alter hormones or send the wrong messages to cells. So they kind of act like terrible mailmen. They can essentially act as undercover agents, and our body cannot recognize the difference between EDCs and real healthy hormones. EDCs can be found in personal care products, And of course, that's something that we should all be concerned about because we use personal care products on a daily basis all the time, whether it be right before taking a shower, right after taking a shower, the middle of the day, we're always applying something to our skin or to our body. Here's the thing. Listen to this. You, they have the ability to mask your own hormones. Right. Your hormones are supposed to control the chemical balances within your body. So imagine an intruder coming in, like I know a lot of us are playing among us nowadays. So imagine your invader, your imposter is coming in and wreaking had- havoc on your body. Obviously, you don't want that to happen. But when you use these personal care products, you introduce some of these EDCs, uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals, into your body, and they can certainly cause a lot of harm. Shout out to the 80-year-old out there that's probably has no idea what you're talking about. That's... (laughs) No, totally. Like, that's actually a perfect example. Literally in Among Us, there's an imposter, and he's silently killing off all your crewmates, which are your healthy hormones. Yes. And there's really nothing you can do about it until you guys, you collaborate and you use your brain to try to make a change. So we're going to go over some statistics. And because as a teenager, I can't believe I said as a teenager, that's kind of cringy, but (laughs) it's true. We're teenagers. We use a ton of products. I mean, like I know I have like my skincare regimen, Matt, 12 steps. Why? Because I like to take care of my skin. (laughs) But that's, that goes to show that Joe's, that's just my skincare for my face. I still have like body lotion, hand lotion. I have my shampoo, conditioner, shaving cream, everything. There's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So on average, according to from um, EWG, which is, we'll plug them somewhere so you guys can check them out. They're really cool. Girls on average use 12 products a day, which can... Uh, it's like about 168 chemicals a wow. day, just just from the 12 products. And obviously this varies. I mean, your chapstick counts as a product. How many chemicals are in chapstick? Oh my like, gosh. Like, think about it. I use my, I was about to say what brand it is. I, I use that chapstick every single day, probably every 30 minutes, just because that's something I do. <laughs> <laughs> I can't control it. Um, and then on average, boys use about six products a day, which is 85 chemicals. Mm. About. Obviously, these are all estimations and give or take how many products you're using, which types of products you're using. And the scary thing is, add your, the chemicals that you're exposed to from your personal care products, plus the air you're breathing in, plus the food you're eating, plus the car that you're driving in, and the plastic, um, the phthalates that come up from your, da- your dashboard when it's hot outside from the shoes you're wearing, from the pencil eraser that you use to erase your pencil mark (laughs) everywhere. You're exposed at all times. And this is just one tiny fraction of it. And as we just said, and as you can tell by my 12 step skincare routine, young teens, I'm not even a young teen. Am I a young teen? 
I'm an old young t- adult. Yeah. Young adult. That sounds so weird. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> as, as a person that's under the age of 20, we tap, we typically just use more products than adults. Cause that's just I'm how not it surprised. Is. I'm really not surprised by that. Actually. I'm sure we try and do the most for our body. And, you know, as we grow and as we experience these hormonal changes, like I, I personally have oily skin, so I need to apply some kind of cream to get rid of some of that oil. Every, but see, like, okay, but I also appreciate guys that take care of their skin. That could be a whole other podcast episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, no, but that's super important. And it's, it's, first off, skincare, you're pampering yourself. You're taking care of your skin. You're taking care of your mind. But it's important for people to be aware of good products that they can use to kind of take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love things that smell like cupcakes, but I feel like at that point, it's so not worth it, but it's also a phase. I'm, I feel like in middle school, you're so adamant on like trying to smell good and, and, you mm-hmm. know, trying to impress whoever you have a crush on and like all these little right. things. And we always give this example at HBCAC. Whenever you see a shampoo that's, that smells like roses or smells like cupcakes, are they really crushing up a thousand cupcakes and putting it into a bottle and selling it? You literally wish. I mean, like, I can't even imagine crushing up cupcakes, literally putting it in a plastic bottle and then selling it. That's so unrealistic. And it's so bad for you. And like, I can only imagine. It's probably they have some kind of secret formula that they concoct. Concoct? Yeah. Concoct? <laughs> A concoction of secret chemicals. Yeah, and that's how they make their product. And, you know, there's a special recipe. And once they get it right, it's almost like promised that people will go out and buy it. Because it smells good. And then, oh my God, this leads into the entire conversation about how corporations legally are... Totally, they totally have their right to their chemicals, their secret chemical formula. And if they don't want to inform people about the ingredients on their product, it's simply because, well, this is the excuse they it's use for competition. For competition, we don't want other. If we release our ingredients, then other people are going to copy us. Or maybe you're not releasing your ingredients because it's slowly killing us all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You uh, know, here's the thing, and I'm a huge I Tesla corporations. I'm a huge Tesla supporter, and maybe this is not relevant at all, but Tesla is really revolutionizing the game. Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, supports open-sourced patents, which means anyone, and I mean anyone, can copy their ideas, take uh, any of their ideas, and make it their own company. And he's ready to, you know, accept that fact and compete against that brand. But that's the thing. He has nothing to hide. Not a single thing. He's so confident in what he has created that he doesn't need any kind of regulation on that stuff. Totally. And I think that, like, the reason, obviously, I mean, this is the only thing that comes to my mind. The real reason why they don't want to release their secret recipe of of death is because they know what it can do to people. And Mm -hmm. if we do find out that our favorite candy cane flavored lollipop, the sugar... (laughs) pink surprise <laughs> soap it has like formaldehyde in it and has tea in it and has parabens in it and has all these chemicals in it but then we're not going to want to buy it because once we know what those chemicals can do to us and we know how prevalent they are in our favorite products they're going to the consumers are going to change their mind and they're going to lose lots of profit 
and you know, as the wise guides, we always have to endorse this. Everyone has the power to change the consumer market. Once we say no, then they have to make the change. If we continue to just buy it and eat into their tactics, why would they change it if it's working? Say it there's loud just no reason. The back. <laughs> yeah, there's just no reason for them to change it if it works. If it isn't broke, don't fix it or whatever that saying is. No, totally. And I, I feel like over the years, especially with like parabens, I feel like when I was younger, I'd be like, what the heck are parabens? And I would see on some some products, okay, paraben-free, paraben-free. And I would ask my mom, and she'd be like, I don't know, I think it's a chemical. And then as the years progressed, many more products have become paraben-free. And I feel like I use this example a lot, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I see paraben-free everywhere, and that's proof that people can change the consumer market. If companies realize that we don't want certain chemicals in their in the products that they're trying to sell us, they will... The, Listen, corporations make money off of us. They're using us. They manipulate us. Yep. We need to take our power back and manipulate them in return so that we can get safer products for ourselves and our kids. And, and you, know what, you know what? That reminds me. I remember like years and years and years ago when I was shopping for like a water bottle or something. My parents were like, you have to go PPA free. But, you know, they had those cool water bottles that you can tap the button and it sprays like mist and stuff. And I'm like, oh, these are so cool. I want one of these. Exactly. But it wasn't BPA free. And now almost any water bottle, I think almost all of them are BPA free. Uh, and I think that's partially because we changed the consumer culture. And if we just let these things happen and say, hey, it's the way of life, then nothing is going to happen. I totally agree with you. And going back to the BPA thing, this could also be its own. This could literally be its own Savannah 40-minute rant. (laughs) Just because they banned BPA does not mean they haven't put... BPA, for those of you guys who don't know, is bisphenol A. That doesn't mean that they haven't put bisphenol B, bisphenol C, all these other types of chemicals in that water bottle. But just because they have BPA-free on it... Ugh. So, that was our little... I hate corporations rant. We're going to move on into how we can help you. This is the whole point of this. We want, we want to let you know what these chemicals are. Well, some of them at least and how you can avoid them. Yeah. Take it away, Matt. So here are some of the chemicals that we wanted to really highlight. Parabens is one of them. And these are unnecessary preservatives found with a prefix like methyl, butyl, or ethyl. Well, like Matt said, parabens are a preservative. That's why shampoo can stay on the shelf for months and months at a time without really going bad. It's because it's there's chemicals in it that's trying to um, prevent mold and stuff. But when you really think about it, it probably takes you about a month, if a month, maybe even less, maybe a teeny bit more, for you to go through a shampoo bottle or a conditioner bottle or your lotion, whatever it may be. There's no need for a preservative that can prevent mold for like a year, six months plus, there's no need for that chemical to be in your products. And they usually are found in like, like I just said, shampoos, conditioners, soaps, lotions, stuff like that. And so the next um, chemical that we wanted to cover was phthalates, which holds scents. And that's, it's really comprised of one word, Fragrance, which is coded for potentially 3,100 different chemicals. So 3,100 different chemicals are masked 
under the name fragrance. And that's mostly because if they were to release these chemicals, we would see all of the harmful things that each product is made of. And also that would release their secret formula and people could copy it and that whole conversation again. But really, phthalates are things that shouldn't exist. We buy so many products just for their fragrance. You know, it smells good, but we fail to think about how bad it is for our body. Why is it that when we go out shopping for a new shampoo or shopping for uh, a new body wash, why is it that the first we do is smell each one? We don't even look at the ingredients. We just want to see which one smells the best. Totally. And I think that to to kind of reiterate what he just said is, when you see the word fragrance, you're like, oh, I know it. That's probably the only word. Fragrance and water are the only two things that the normal consumer probably understands what those things are. And when you see that, you're like, oh, fragrance. I know what that is, so that can't be that bad. But literally what Matt just said, it, it could literally be one, one word fragrance could be code word for up to 3,100 chemicals around. So that could be a little bit more. That could be a little bit less. But it could be up to 3,100. That's crazy. How do we allow that? Like, really? We don't. We can't. Like, it's just, like you just said, like, we don't even, if we don't even know what the chemicals behind the word are, how are we supposed to do anything about it? This is how we do think about something about it. By informing you (laughs) that you can control whether or not things are fragranced or unfragranced. And anyways, I, for me at least, my skin is pretty sensitive. Like, I buy everything almost fragrance-free unless like my mom is buying something and she forgets or like whatever the case may be. But like, even so, like I'm very adamant on buying unfragranced things because I just have no preference for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I like perfume. That's one thing I really can't p- compromise on, but for like deodorants and for lotions and stuff, unscented is the way to go. Unscented. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like you're taking notes. <laughs> I, I am. I am. Because oh, I personally, you actually? What the I, heck? I personally don't use unscented stuff. So that's like interesting. Yes. Like, what's the point? Like, I don't understand. Or if it says, I've, I have seen some products that do say phthalate free. And for those of you who don't know how to spell phthalates, neither do I. But this is what, this is how you spell it. P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. You will almost never see that on a product unless it says phthalate free. That's another, you know, little trick. All right. So let's see. Why are phthalates so bad for you? Well, particularly in men, it interferes with their reproductive system. And this can include feminization of baby boys, altered hormone levels in baby boys and men, reduced sperm concentration and motility, and increased sperm DNA damage in men. Wow. Those are all very scary things. <laughs> Unbelievable. Crazy. And I know this isn't a personal care product, but it holds your personal care products plastic. Phthalates are also found in plastic. So that new car smell that you, that you're, that you love, which I actually really don't like. People like the new car smell. I think it smells really gross. Oh, I like it so much. Uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, whatever. That's not the point. I mean, it is the point, but you know, whatever. The, the, your dashboard is releasing phthalates into the atmosphere and that's the chemicals that you're inhaling. You might as well just sniff a Sharpie or snort <laughs> some whiteout because that, that's literally what phthalates are. 
it all has that anything that smells artificial i'm guessing yeah. likely has phthalates okay avoid phthalates avoid fragrance the best that you can because as my uh, as matt just literally just said like obviously everyone is affected but there is research that shows that the male reproductive system can cause several issues and actually, just to add to that real quick, uh, I had the opportunity to interview Dr. Shauna Swan, who's this incredible researcher. She's very well-versed in EDCs and all these, and many other environmental triggers and how it affects the body. But in particular, she, I don't, I, I still remember this. She had said that there is a linkage from exposure to phthalates to, in men, um, and, in, and a decrease in anogenital distance. Because phthalates are in so many products, like your personal care products and plastics and many other varnishes on your tables, like so many things, that the bioaccumulation from this one chemical can cause birth defects and lower sperm concentration and et cetera. Wow. Imagine being a teenage boy right now. I can't and- imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you're applying all of these different personal care products on a daily basis. And yeah, you might be smelling great now, but when you're 40 years old and you might not want a kid now, which is totally understandable. Who are you talking to? I don't know. Just myself, I guess. But (laughs) Matt, you don't have to have a kid if you don't want to. (laughs) 20, 20 years from now. Um, what if what you're applying to your skin and your hair now affects your ability to have a kid no totally and like it's also you said smelling good you don't need fragrance things to smell good if you smell bad that's a you problem go take a (laughs) shower do something about it but personal care products work the same whether they have a fragrance or not i mean okay well this is debatable uh me and melanie actually shout out to melanie the person editing this who's who's the goat but uh we talk about this often about how like your deodorant like that's i've seen so many natural deodorant brands and matt i have spent i'm embarrassed to say how much money on trying usually like seven different brands of natural deodorant because i'm so adamant on finding one that i like Mm -hmm. and the more affordable ones unfortunately to me at least don't really work but there are some more pricier brands that do work Mm -hmm. and as someone who like who like does the cost benefit analysis in my head and says, okay, well, if I compromise here, I can splurge a little here. That's kind of goes in my mind. So sometimes I splurge for like the, you know, the pricier deodorant because it works and it's good for me and it's good for the environment. I feel like at that point, it's like picking and choosing your battles, which we'll get to later. But that's just, I just want to add that tidbit. Like in terms of like, just because it's unfragranced doesn't necessarily mean that you will love it, but it would do its job. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure I'm not rambling, even though I am rambling. Okay. Next. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next chemical we wanted to highlight was triclosan. And I'm sure some of you have heard of triclosan before. We've probably mentioned it on a previous podcast, but it's an antibacterial agent that makes products no more effective than plain soap and water. And it's found in 75% of people. And uh, triclosan in particular can result in thyroid disruption and it forms chemicals linked to cancer and other health problems. But also reproductive issues in animals. 
And which animal am I going to talk about specifically? The frog. Mm. What is the frog, Matt? The frog is a an, an indicator species. Right? Yeah. I think so. I think that's the term. You not know that? Indicator species? I've heard of it. Matt! Oh my god, your grandma would be so disappointed in you. I'm just kidding. Your grandma's so proud of you. Uh, but... <laughs> No, indica- okay, so, oh wait, this is a teachable moment. Forget, forget, don't even look it up. Ready? <laughs> and indicator species are specific animals in our environment that when our environment changes, whether it's from like hot to cold, from a pollutant that happened to happen, like an oil spill or a, a chemical in the environment, these animals change the way that they function and it tells us, oh, oh, there's something wrong in our environment, and it makes us wonder what it's doing to us if it's affecting, if it's affecting the animals in a negative manner. So Canary frogs in particular, mine. sorry, continue. What were you saying? Canary in the coal mine. Ab- absolutely. So like, there's that whole tale where like the coal workers would send a canary into a coal mine to see if the n- nitrous oxide levels. I believe I'm not trying to throw chemicals out there. But if those, if the chemical levels were so toxic that a human couldn't breathe, and if the bird stopped singing, they knew that the level of toxins in that environment was inhabitable for them to even work in. So, oh my God, I don't even want to imagine. You know, and that reminds me of that TED Talk. I watched a TED Talk um, this previous summer, and it was talking all about, it was a study on frogs and how... um, I think there were chemicals. It was exposed to some kind of chemical in its natural environment. And uh, they did find eggs were reproduced by the male. And did you ever watch this TED Talk? I don't know. But tell me about it. A man was giving a TED Talk uh, about how frogs were exposed to some kind of chemical in their environment. I can't pinpoint exactly which one it was. But it caused them to to lay eggs. Atrazine, maybe? Atrazine is a found, right? It's found in pesticides. But yeah, no, continue. I told and that's just, you know, if we're thinking about it and frogs are the indicator species, then I couldn't even imagine um, what kind of detrimental effects it would wreak on the human population. Male frogs. That's wild. To my, to my knowledge, it's usually the female. <laughs> I think you're right. I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for backing me up. Except seahorses. I never really understood that. Wait, really? Did you not know that? I don't. I guess like the female impregnates the male, and the male huh. seahorse gives birth. Weird. Just thought I'd throw that in there because it's so interesting to me. But typically in other facets and walks of life, the female usually gives birth. And in this case, when they were exposed to this chemical, the male frog started to lay eggs. And that just goes to show, well, okay, yes, it's a frog, but if it caused a frog's entire, like, DNA to switch over to something that was more feminine-like, what could it be doing to us? So this one chemical and all its issues, combined with the hundreds and thousands of other chemicals and those issues, accumulate in your body, which causes illness in the long run. So if you can control just this one chemical, you're also, you know, trying to prevent those possible latent impacts later in your life. That just made me remember something. Um, 
Biological magnification is real. Uh, all of those toxins build up in our body from the fish we eat, you know, they eat other things in their environment that we later consume. And that all bids, builds up in our ecosystem and in our lives. The higher up you go on the food pyramid, the greater the biological magnification. So we as humans, closer to the top of the food chain, obviously are exposed to the most toxins. Really, we need to be cautious about what what is in the environment of fish, what's in the environment of cows and uh, chickens and stuff, because whatever they eat, we eventually also eat. Literally, in every facet of your daily life, you are exposed. So if you can control something, do your part for yourself, for your kids, for the environment. Like, that's just like, be a good human. Be a good human. Make some some choices. Especially when they're not difficult. Mm -hmm. And... They're just better in the long run. All yep. right. So we just highlighted three, what we like to say is main, are the main chemicals, but obviously there's so many. But these are just a few EDCs that we think that are very easily avoidable. So just to reiterate those, that's parabens, phthalates, which will be almost always in the form of fragrance, and then triclosan. And... When I tell you how easy it is, just these three chemicals, and if you start reading your labels, they're almost in like every personal care product that you see. And if you can just make the smart decision to refrain from purchasing products that have those chemicals in them, I promise you, it's such an easy switch. You're almost always going to be spending the same amount of money on a product that doesn't have the chemical than one that does. It's just about reading your labels and being educated. Right. Everyone needs to make... Um, that conscious shift in their habit because we all check the calorie label. And I know that for a fact, we all check the calorie label and we all check how how much protein is in a certain pack of meat or something. Why can't we check? There's no excuse. (laughs) There really isn't. We take the time out of our day to see how many calories we're consuming so that we know we're not overeating or are going to become fat, but we can't, we can't look at the labels of stuff we're putting on our skin every single day, every 24 hours. That's, you're so right. I wish our diet culture and how toxic toxic it is today, like I wish our diet culture became like reading the ingredient label on your personal care product culture. That's, we should make that a thing. That would be a lot more effective. So much more effective. We should, we should work on that for sure. So as we just mentioned, wildlife is affected. We mentioned the frogs, we mentioned the fish. <laughs> Um, essentially any product that you use on your face and your skin, on your body, where does all of that water you use go down the drain? Mm. And once it goes down the drain, many people don't even know where the water down their drain goes. It could go to a sewer. It could go to a cesspool. It could go to the ocean. It could go to just drinking water. Like it it could go anywhere. Mm -hmm. We don't really know unless you know your sewage system or et cetera, but (laughs) Once, <laughs> once, once your product goes off your face down the sink, all those chemicals are still lingering in the water that you just washed off your face or your body or whatever. So they're all going down the drain and they're getting into our drinking water and the animals drinking water and our environment. We're returning all those chemicals back into the environment. So not only to produce that product, where's a chemical used and where air pollutants 
exuded into the atmosphere and you got exposed to those chemicals from the atmosphere and through the actual product, but you're literally returning those chemicals back into the environment. Hmm. So it's not just harming your own human body. It's harming everything else around you. And it's really due to a selfish approach, honestly. Um, I could not agree. That's what it is. It's selfish. We are so selfish. We take advantage of our environment. And we don't thank it when we take things away from it. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's really not difficult to change your products, like at all. It's, it's not hard. And, it, and to kind of go back to like when the chemicals go down the drain, it's a positive feedback loop, which we learned in my environmental science class. It's a vicious cycle. So the corporations and companies are producing these products and they're dumping tons of chemicals into the environment throughout the process of creating the product. Then you apply those chemicals onto your face and they go back down the drain. And then those chemicals are returned back into the environment. It's a vicious cycle. It only gets worse and it can become less worse if we all did our part and tried to make our difference in our daily lives. That is beneficial to us and the environment. Right. So, all right. So that's a, that's a really good segue into where we want to bring this podcast next. Um, so how can you individually make a change? Not only will this change benefit you and your health in the future, but it'll benefit your environment too. So the first thing you can do is look up your products on ewg.org. They are very reputable and it's a great source for understanding what's really in your uh, personal care products. Um, because it's your right to know how toxic something is to you. Obviously, if you find out that the product is extremely toxic, I hope you don't use that product ever again. And I hope you make that choice as a consumer to not encourage the use of that product. Totally. And if, for those of you guys who don't know what EWG is, which I hope you will after this, um, it's basically a database where you type in your product, whatever you're using, and it ranks on a scale of one to 10. I think one is the best, I believe. And it's like green. And then it slowly transitions to 10, which is red. And based on that information, it should tell you that, okay, either this is okay. You should be using this. Good job. Give yourself a pat on the back or you don't deserve a pat on the back because if you continue to use the product, despite knowing that it's harmful for you and the environment, like make the change, not really difficult. You're capable of it. I promise. The next thing you could do is just start eliminating things that you don't need. Look through your cabinet, look through your medicine shelf or wherever you store your personal care products and identify what do I really not need? What, like if I, you know, you can try and isolate each thing. Um, Maybe don't use one product for a week and see if it really has an impact on your day-to-day life. See if it has an impact on your skin or your body as a whole. And if it doesn't, then you really don't need it maybe. Totally. Um, I totally agree with you. And the, the other thing is if you must use that product or something like that product, use other alternatives that are healthier for you and the environment. Just because you like one brand or, you know, we're all brand biased. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to definitely get out of your comfort zone. Use something that you've never used before. And I think if- that once you found out what some products contain, you will be so disgusted that you were even putting it near your face 
whether or not they're manufactured in a lab or whether or not it's made from like roadkill on the street. I, I know this for a fact. My aunt is a dermatologist and she used to work at Sephora and she would always tell me whenever you can try to buy like a vegan or like a vegan product for skincare, especially. And I'd be like, why, why? And she'd be like, you'd be surprised about how many chemicals like formaldehyde. She did say formaldehyde, which was insane for skincare on my face. She'd be like, you'd be surprised about how many like, like chemicals, varnishes and like different types of preservatives and like roadkill that can be hiding in your skincare products. That's scary. And I was like, you're kidding. And she goes, literally, no. If you look up every ingredient on this, you'll see that this oil was extracted from like raccoon fur and like all this crazy stuff. So like do your research and it will make you feel better like internally in terms of, oh my God, like I'm consciously doing something good. It'll make you feel better. It'll make your skin be better. And you're helping the environment. Like that's, that's the end goal to help yourself and the environment thrive. Yep. Uh, and the last thing, last but not least, um, arguably the most important thing of all of this, um, you know, as the wise guides, we want you to be in the know. We want to inform you on how to make the best decisions. And of course we want to increase that audience. So definitely if you learned anything from this podcast at all, please share the information with others. There's always going to be another person who can learn from their own mistakes, learn from your mistakes and make more conscious decisions. And as we all start to adapt to this new lifestyle, we do have the potential to change the consumer culture. I could not have said that better. That was really good. One more thing to add, go home, raid your medicine cabinet, raid your bathroom cabinet. See if you can make a difference today. I promise you, not that hard. And it feel you you you'll feel a burden lift off your chest like, "Ugh, I just did something really good for me and the environment."